Um, uh, this is crazy. I wanted to, we, we are in a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, I don't know if y'all saw this news alert come across your phone a few days ago, or if you were keeping up with it or not, but something crazy happened. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was in Alabama. We were just in Alabama this morning, actually. Drove back early to get here. I know. It's, uh, if I look mean, I'm not today. I promise I'm really nice. I have a resting mean face when I'm tired. I'm just tired, okay? Uh, but I uh, got a notification that uh, these teenage boys were playing pranks on cars. Uh, they were on an overpass over the interstate, and uh, they were playing pranks on these cars, and they had these cinder blocks, and uh, they were tying rope to the center blocks and they were throwing them off the overpass and they had it measured just right to where it like wouldn't hit cars and it, it would you know but they was freaking cars out obviously well uh, what they were doing is they were wrapping the rope around their arms so that they could catch it and like pull it back up and so they were doing this do this do this and they tried to get cute they were teenage I mean come on teenage boys are dumb right so they were getting cute and they tried to do it to a semi truck and they mistimed it, and it got caught in between the truck cab and the trailer. And it, since it was tied to this kid's arm, it was going so fast, it just, like, pulled the kid's arm completely off his body. And the kids at this point was like, joke's over. This isn't fun anymore. They called the cops. And they freak out. They call 911, and the cops are following the semi-truck driver for miles trying to pull him over. And finally, they pull over the... I mean, this kid's arm is with the semi-truck. They pull him over, and they draw their weapons on the semi-truck driver. They arrest him, and they're saying that this truck driver is now looking to, like, at 15 to 20 years in prison for armed robbery. Come on! Ah, oh, come on! This That was good right there. That was all a joke. Uh... <laughs> I mean, Allison was. Uh, now, I love this because it does have everything to do with what we're talking about today. We're talking about stories. And stories have a way of drawing us in, right? Stories have a way of like bringing something out of us, even if it's involuntary. And what, what happened is every person, I could see everyone's face. I was having a hard time not smiling because it was just working so well. It was good. But stories have a way of drawing us in. And you couldn't even control how you were feeling in the moment, right? Like you kept hearing different details about the story. The story took a weird turn, right? The unexpected happened. It was obviously a little bit relatable because everyone was like, man, I just, that's what brings up that feeling in you. Like, I got to do, that is injustice, right? Like, I got to do something about this. Stories are powerful. And powerful stories all share three components. Now, I didn't look this up. This is just out of my brain. So people smarter than me can disagree with this. But I think a great story has three things. It has details. It has relatability. And it has an unexpected turn in it, right? Like, if you read a story, if it has those three things, you're, it's going to bring it to life a little bit because details, they take sentences and they turn them into stories. For instance, if I looked at you and I said this, I said, the man has a Band-Aid. That's not a story. That's just a sentence. But if I add some detail, if I add the unexpected, you can relate to it a little bit and then it turns to a story. So instead of the man has a Band-Aid, it, here's the story. A father and son were camping together on their annual father-son camping trip. 
Any father, son, y'all, anybody like camping in here? Y'all are crazy. All right. I did make this story up, though, so I don't know where this came from, okay? But a, a father and son were camping together on their annual father-son camping trip. They were hiking to the same spot they had camped at 10 times before when all of a sudden the son slips on a rock and cuts his hand. His father pulled out a Band-Aid and gave it to his son, and then they continued to hike, and they had a great trip, right? Like, the man had a Band-Aid. Is just a sentence. But when you add story, when you add the detail, when you add the, the relatable part of it, right? Like when you, when, when you add the unexpected event of him slipping on the rock, like it's a dumb little story, but it turned a sentence into a story. Well, stories are very important. In fact, God uses stories in the Bible to relate to us. That's how he's chosen to relate to you and I. He's written his, his word. He's written the Bible and it's full of stories, thousands of stories, that have detail, that have, and because of the detail, we relate to it. It has relatability, and, and it, they all have unexpected endings. Like, you can look in the Bible. There's a story in the Bible that's crazy. Uh, I wish I just thought about this just now, right? But there's a story in Second Kings, and Elijah had just gone up to heaven, all right? God took him in chariots of fire. I'm sure that song was playing, dun, 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 right? That's a chariots of fire song. And he went up, and he went into heaven. And it was known that Elijah was a very hairy dude, right? Like he was just a hairy guy, a lot of testosterone pumping, right? Like he just was a hairy guy. And the Bible makes detail of that. And we don't think anything of that. Like we read that, we're like, okay, that's weird. I bet he looked gross. He looked like he was wearing a sweater at all times. You know, he was that type of hairy. But then the Bible also mentions that Elisha, the person that took his spot, was bald. He didn't have a lot of hair. And the Bible mentions this. It says, you know, Elisha didn't have a lot of hair. And one day he was walking to a town and these kids start making fun of Elisha. They start, they start saying, hey, look at that bald headed guy over there, man. And they start making fun of him being bald. And all of a sudden Elisha's like, you know what? Joke's on you. And he curses them and bears come out of the woods. This is in the Bible. Bears come out of the woods and kill all these people that were making fun of Elisha in that moment. Now, that's an unexpected turn, right? But the details are important. And some of you relate to this because you don't have any hair either. And you're like, you're telling me I could kill all these kids with the bear, right? right? Like, but, and so that makes an interesting story. The thing about that detail is that he didn't have hair is that pagans would shave their heads and they would, they didn't like hair. And so people that didn't believe in the living God would shave. And that was how they were identified. And so these kids weren't actually making fun of him being bald. They were actually saying, hey, you're not a man of God. And that didn't sit well with Elisha and it didn't sit well with God either. And then this, the whole thing happened. Stories like this are all over the Bible. They have detail, they have relatability, and they have an unexpected ending or something unexpected happens in the story. Well, today... Uh, well, the next couple of weeks, we're going to take a look at two different stories in the New Testament that both involve Jesus, um, that are stories that have a lot of detail, important detail. Uh, they have an unexpected outcome in it, and they're very relatable if we really look at it. And so uh, we're going to, we're calling this series, Your Story Matters, because here's what I know, is that each person in here has a story, and the details of your story really matter. And I'm sure there's some unexpected twists and turns in your story. And the people that are around you that are closest to you need to hear you share your story. They, they, need to, they, they are going to relate to your story if you share it. 
And so your story matters. So we're going to look at some other stories and see how that has to do with your story. Does that make sense? Over the next couple of weeks, and I think it's going to be really, really awesome. If you have your OG Bible, I apologize today, okay? I see a Bible out over there right now. We're jumping around two different spots, all right? So if you want, you can go to Luke 8 and Mark chapter 5. If you got a real Bible, we'll be flipping between those two things because we're going to tell the same story from two different perspectives here. But this is an interesting story, and it's a story that's a little spooky. Like, it's got a little bit of, like, Stranger Things vibe. You know, y'all like the, the Netflix show, like, it's got a little bit of a spooky vibe to it. It's really great. I would typically do this at like Halloween time because that'd be kind of fun, right? But um, we're going to talk about it today. I think it's going to be great. So let's look at Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 26. We've got a lot of Bible to read today. So y'all just hang tough with me. We're going to get through it together. All right, here we go. So it says this. So they arrived to the region of Gera. I'm not even going to try to say that. All right. Across the lake from Galilee. So as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. So my goodness, Jesus gets out of that boat and starts with a bang. Like, I mean, some crazy dude, he's clearly like literally possessed by demons is coming out and he's making a beeline to Jesus. Now, if you're a disciple that's in this boat with him right now, what are you thinking? It's going down right now, dude. Like there's going to be a fist fight. And, and I'm going to watch it, right? Like it's like world star time. They're getting their phones out. They're recording it. And they're about to get ready to see Jesus own this dude, right? So he comes out and he meets him. And for a long time, it says, this man had been homeless and naked living in the, in the tombs outside of town. So not only is this dude crazy, he ain't got no clothes on, y'all. He's a naked man running at Jesus, clearly disturbed. And this tells us that he had been like that for a long time. He was homeless. And we'll later learn that he was actually notorious. Like people knew who this dude was. And it wouldn't surprise me if the disciples had known about this person because he was kind of famous for his condition, right? So here he is. And the details matter. He's homeless, he's naked, he's been living in the tombs around dead people, dead things for a long, long, long time. So there's the details, right? He was possessed. This is actually the most detail we get about a person who is possessed by an evil spirit in all the Bible. Like we know more about this guy who is possessed by an evil spirit. That's not something that the Bible teaches a lot on, but there's a lot of detail we kind of have in here. So the details clearly matter. He was possessed by an evil spirit, and we know that he's been possessed for a long time. And the passage uh, tells us that he had been tormented by this evil spirit for some time, and he was homeless, naked, and he lived outside. So those are all the details, all right? And the problem of his and this problem of his caused him to be isolated from everybody else. So he had this problem, and he couldn't stay around other people. It caused him to be isolated. It caused him to be completely alone. He used to live in this town that he was that they were going to he used to like have a family this person used to have a career this person may have had kids this person had friends this person would go to the grocery store this person had a normal average life he used to be normal he would be sitting in this room right now and you would not think anything of it right And all of a sudden, something happens in this guy's life that changes him forever, right? Like something happened, 
He allowed an evil spirit in. We don't actually know a lot about how spirits can possess people. It's not taught a lot in the Bible. But uh, something had happened, and he had been possessed by this evil uh, spirit, and he was changed forever. And now here comes the relatable part of the story. I know there are people in this room who feel isolated. Like you had a lot going for you at one point in your life. Like at one point in your life, man, you, you were, you had the nice job, you had the incredible marriage, right? Like you, your, your kids, you had the amazing marriage. Now you find yourself, you're walking through a divorce or you've recently walked through a divorce, right? Um, and, and now you're trying to just figure out what life looks like. I was married for so long and now I'm not. And now I'm just trying to figure out what it's like to, to live a, a, a life that's single now. And now I've got to provide for myself. And you used to be a person that had a great marriage. And then something happened, and now you just feel isolated. You feel alone. Your kids used to love Jesus, and now they're struggling. They're battling addictions. They're running from God. They're far from God, and you're having a hard time. And you're like, okay, now how do I parent an adult kid that wants to run from you? Like, God, what do I do with that, right? Like, you're kind of left trying to figure this whole thing out. You feel isolated. You used to have a great relationship with your family. You used to be close, you used to be close with your brothers and sisters and something happened and everything changed, right? Like I, he, it's very, we can relate a lot to this story. You used to be a happy person, life of the party. Man, people would love to just be around you. I mean, you could make everybody laugh. You were the jokester. And now you have a hard time finding happiness. Man, you're just so anxious and you feel depressed. You're stressed all the time. And you'd, something in you is just different. And maybe it's hard for you to even pinpoint when that started. But now you just feel alone. You feel isolated. You feel like you don't know what you need to do. That's how this guy felt. Now, I'm not saying that if you struggle with any of those things, you're possessed by an evil spirit. I'm not saying that, okay? But there is a relatability here. We got some details. And those details help us relate. And we can relate with this guy. Like, man, I I might not be naked and living in a graveyard, but I feel alone right now. The story has a lot of relatability if you really look at it, really think of it. So let's keep on. Let's keep reading. Now we're going to jump to Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 3. And here's what it says. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as often he was, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. Come on. I mean, it's like the Incredible Hulk right here, right? No one was strong enough to subdue him. That means people have tried to subdue this guy, and they could not do it. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. So this is what makes this guy notorious in this community. He was known as like the crazy guy. He somehow lost it one day, it appeared. And then they were like, this dude's got to be like put in jail. He needs to be shackled up to a wall. Like we got to take care of this guy. He's, he's going to hurt somebody. Then, so they try to hook up chains to him and boom, he breaks him. Nothing works. They try to put shackles around his feet or his hands and his feet. And all he does is just smash them off. I mean, it's crazy. And then they try to physically like get him under control and they couldn't do it. And so they're like the only place for him to go 
is to go with it to the tombs, like where the dead people are, and let them. Who care? He can't hurt anybody over there, right? And so he, and so he's famous for roaming around. It's almost like a horror story, howling and yelling and taking sharp things and hurting himself. But this wasn't him doing these things. It was the evil spirits in him making him do these things. It was crazy. And, and this doesn't really have much to do with the, the message, but I do want to mention this because I think it's important. And I think there's a lot of stuff. I'm going to sound old school for a second. Y'all bear with me, all right? And because I just feel the need to say this as I was preparing, um, is we, have to, we don't have a lot of knowledge on how people get possessed by evil spirits. I believe that can happen. I believe that does happen. I believe it looks different than what we would think it looks like um, because of Hollywood and, and th- how things are dramatized. But it's a real thing. So I don't know how this man was able to become possessed by an evil spirit, but here's what I do know is we have to be careful about what we let into our lives. I would not be shocked. Can't prove this. I would not be shocked if this guy dabbled with something that was evil in nature that may have seemed innocent in the moment. And we, listen, I'm just telling you, you have to guard your life You have to guard your family's life. You have to guard what you bring into your home. You have to guard what you interact with. You have to guard where you go for your source of truth and and all these things. And when you dabble with stuff like the occult, you dabble with stuff that's evil in nature. Don't be surprised when you start dealing with some of the same stuff. I've seen it before. I'm telling you, the spiritual realm is more real than the room we're sitting in right now. That's where this room was birthed out of, was out of a spiritual room. So be careful what you're getting into. Be careful what you're dabbling with, with what you're trying to find truth in. Because anything outside of God that you try to find to guide your life is not from God. We have to go to God's word and God's word alone for guidance in our life. We don't go to horoscopes. We don't go to stuff like that. We don't mess with that stuff. Why? Because you're opening the door to an enemy that wants to hurt you. And that's the only way I can say it. And so this does have something to do with the message. Your spiritual decisions, when you decide to dabble with stuff that you shouldn't dabble with, when you try to get into stuff that you shouldn't be getting into, spiritual decisions, that's a spiritual decision you're making, have physical consequences. So this man could have made a spiritual decision that he thought was going to help him. That's how crafty the devil is, is he makes you think that, man, if I could just get into this, if I could just talk to this person, if I could just, this person that has passed, if I could just talk to them one more time and go see this, like I'm telling you, that's going to open the door to your life. And and it can, it can really affect you physically. That's a spiritual decision you make and that can physically uh, affect you. This man was having physical consequences from a spiritual problem. And so you have to understand that the spiritual realm of this world is strong. It'll pull you in. And don't be surprised when you start physically struggling with things when you make the wrong spiritual decisions. And I'm not saying that every person that's depressed or anxious um, is possessed by a demon and it's your, you know, your fault and all this kind of stuff. There are actual medical things. Medication is great. I take anxiety meds every single day, okay? And I, I love medicine and I believe in it. But I do believe there's also a spiritual component to some of this stuff. Some people could be struggling with depression because of a spiritual decision they made. 
Some people could have an eating disorder because of a spiritual decision they made. Some people could struggle with certain things physically because of a spiritual decision uh, that they've made. And so I, I want you to understand there are physical consequences sometimes of spiritual decisions that we make. But the problem is, is that when we get to this point where we really need help, and we really are struggling, and there's something happening on the inside of us that we cannot explain that feels different, right? Sometimes we go to physical means to solve a spiritual problem. This man, they tried to solve his problem by putting chains on him, by putting shackles on him, and did it work? No, because you can't solve a spiritual problem by physical means. It cannot be done. You can't solve a spiritual problem by physical means. That's why you can't buy your way into heaven. That's why, like, you can't solve spiritual things with physical things. It's not how it works. You can only solve spiritual things with uh, spiritual problems with spiritual things. And this man, then people had tried thing after thing after thing to help him. And they just said, forget it. I don't know what we're going to do with this guy. And it took a spiritual encounter with Jesus to finally fix it. And so please hear me. I'm not saying every problem you face can't be fixed by physical things. All right, I believe that God uses things like doctors and he uses things like your brain, right? Like think about something before you do it. I believe all those things, but don't discount the spiritual component to your life. That's what I'm saying. And so this man had a physical problem and he had a spiritual problem, but the spiritual problem was the root. And maybe in your life, you have a spiritual problem. That's the root that's causing some other problems in your life. Well, guess what? A physical thing is not going to fix it. A spiritual thing has to fix it. That's why this man needed an encounter with Jesus. That's why we do things like 21 days of prayer and fasting. That is a spiritual prescription to maybe align yourself with God. Like that's why we do these things is it's a way that you can go, all right, man, I've tried every other thing physically. I'm going to dive in 21 days and like go to the spiritual source. Let's see if, I mean, I'm just going to go to God and I'm going to let a spiritual thing fix my spiritual problem. So let's going to keep, let's keep going, going. Mark chapter five, starting in verse six, we're going to go through 15 here. So when Jesus, this is still the same story. It's in a different part of the Bible. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and he bowed low before him. Uh, With a shriek, he screamed. I mean, can you imagine? This would be terrifying, right? Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? All, this are, all these are details that matter. We'll get to that in a second. And he replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside of this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to the uh, distant place. Another translation says to the bottomless pit. They didn't want Jesus to completely destroy him. Uh, where am I at? Oh, to the distant place. There happened to be a hard, there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. There were 2000 of them. Another, another, uh, translation says, send us to those pigs. The spirits begged, let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered to the pig, into the pigs and an entire herd of about 2000 pigs. Can you imagine the sounds that was happening right here? Entered the 2,000 pigs and plunged down a steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Instantly, they entered the pigs and instantly these things destroyed themselves. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town 
and the surrounding countryside spreading the news as they ran. These dudes were freaked out. All right. They were, I mean, they, they could not believe what they just saw. People rushed out to see what had happened. And then a crowd soon gathered around Jesus. Pay attention to this next part. And they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and he was perfectly sane. Now, this is the unexpected part of the story. Not only the pigs, right? But I want to get to the pigs. Let me just mention that really quickly. Uh, This was, uh, people are made in the image of God. And so if there's an evil spirit that is possessing them, they can't do anything because you're made in God's image. Like they can't kill you. So, but these, these evil spirits were so evil that the second they went into a pig, a person that was not a thing that's not made in the image of God, it killed them instantly. That's the destructive nature of the enemy, by the way. That's what this man was dealing with inside of his body for possibly years and years living by himself. So that's where, that's what was happening inside of this, this, um, this person. And so these herdsmen, they get out and all of a sudden they're like, guys, you're not going to believe what just happened. All of our pigs just died. Jesus sent all these spirits into them. Like, and they start telling every person they see. They're running into town. They're telling everybody. And now everybody is like, I got to go see what's going on here. This is crazy. And so Jesus is standing there with this man that he had just healed with his disciples and a whole crowd of people are coming by and they're expecting to see the naked crazy man. Right? They're expecting to hear him yelling. They're expecting to see him running by. They're expecting to see him. And all of a sudden they see him, but he's different. He's not like he was before. He's fully sane. He's fully clothed and he's made right again. Like he he was exactly like he was when they were growing up. Like he was exactly the person that he used to be. He was probably, honestly, way better. He probably had no mental condition at all in that moment, right? Jesus healed him. And so they get there, and they, 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 they're trying hard to just compute what was going on. And they're like, wait a second. Is that the naked crazy man? He's clothed. He's not crazy. He, he seems nice. He's smiling. Uh, his, his body is seem, it's healing, right? Like, he's talking. He's having a normal conversation. He's not yet. Like, this is crazy, right? And they're, they're having a hard time just figuring out, like, what is going on? Like, I can't believe this is, this is happening. And I love how the Bible describes this man. It says this in Mark 5, uh, 15. It says, a crowd soon followed around or gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons, and he was sitting there fully clothed, perfectly sane, and, but they were all afraid. They were like, what in the world is happening? And I love that the Bible refers to this man, and another translation says the one who had been freed from demons. He wasn't labeled any longer as the demon possessed man. He was labeled as the free man, the man who had been freed. And this is where I want to go. This is how this happened. This, this has something to do with your story. So many of us, we walk into this place every single week and we have a label on ourselves. I'm, I'm just depressed. I am the single mom. I am uh, the person that is having marriage problems. I am the overweight person. I am the person who is in massive debt. I am the person that, whatever label you want to put on there, right? Like, I am the one that's broken. I am the one that can't be loved by anybody. I am, and you put these labels on you. And you project these things on other people when you're talking to them. 
And all of a sudden you forget who you really are. But God has a new label he wants to give you. And he's like, oh, you're not the depressed person. You're the free person. You're not the single mom that can't make. No, no, no. You're the free person. I love you. I died for you. I provide for you. You're not the person that's lonely. No, I am with you always is what he says. You're the free person. And I I think that some of us need to realize that in our story and go, no, no, no. I am not what my past says I am. I am not what my parents say that I am. I am not what my family name represents to some people. No, I am a free person in Jesus. And that is what we have to believe about ourselves. Come on. I, I think people need to see that in you. They need to see the free you. They need to know that, man, that person struggled with something, but God set them free. That's what I deal with. Maybe God can set me free too. And so he sets this man free. He's fully clothed. He's sane. He's now not known as the the crazy person. He's known as the free person. And he has this thought. He's thinking, I can't go back to town. These people like excommunicated me. They hate me. They're never going to take me back. But this man changed my life. Like, I I think the best way that I can serve him is if I were just to become one of his disciples and follow him around, and I'll just give my life serving this guy. That sounds like a great idea, right? Here's what he says. This is in Luke 8, chapter chapter 8, verse 37. And all the people in the region, they they begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone. They're like, dude, you're you're doing crazy stuff here, right? For a great wave of fear swept over them. They were so used to this man being who he was in this spiritual darkness that they had a hard time recognizing that Jesus, the light, the resurrection was in their midst. They were still afraid. So Jesus returned to the boat. He's like, all right, I'll leave and left, crossing back on the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him. He said, hey, come on, let me go with you, man. Like, please. And Jesus kept saying, no, he was begging Jesus, let me follow you. Let me be there with you. But Jesus says this. He says, no, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. Hey, go back to the people that are closest to you, that know how broken you are, that know every little detail about you, the ones that you thought cared about you, that kicked you to the curb. I want you to go back to those people. And I want you not to tell them how awesome you are. I want you to tell how awesome I am. Look what I did for you. They need to know that, right? And so the man, he went through all the town. He didn't just stop with his family. He went through all of the town proclaiming the great things that Jesus had done for him. Jesus knew that the best way that he could serve him was to go and share his story with the people that he was closest to. Some of y'all missed it. Jesus knew that the best way that he could serve him was to go and tell his story to the people that were closest to him. People need to hear your story. They need to hear the details of your story because those details are going to cause it to be relatable to them. And they need to hear about the unexpected thing that Jesus did with you. And that is that he freed you. He died for you. He saved you. He turned your life around. That's unexpected in a world where everything is going to hell in a handbasket. You know what I'm saying? They need to hear some hope. And he wants to use your story to do it. And so some of you need to get comfortable with sharing your story. 
and not be afraid. And listen, I'm not asking you to share every nitty, nitty, nitty detail with everybody. They don't need to know everything. But man, they might need to know, hey, I struggle with depression and anxiety and I needed help. But you know what? God's healing me from that right now. I love what Holly shared last week. People need to hear that story. Man, I just got through walking through the hardest thing in my life with my marriage. And what the enemy wants to do is make you feel ashamed. Because it may have even been your fault. I have no idea. But God wants to use that story. He wants to know the story about your family. Or no, he, uh, people need to hear that about your family. I'm just telling you, like, your story matters. And the best, some of the times, the best way you can serve God is to share your story. People need to hear the things. You're not that person anymore. You're a free person. And so your story has redemption. And those are the best stories. Your story matters. God is writing a story with your life. And he wants to use that story to bring people to him. And it starts with the people that you're closest with. Jesus turned down having another set of hands. And he said, no, you're not going to come with me. You're going to go back to these people and you're going to tell them everything I did for you. And I'll give you the same challenge. How about you start sharing your story a little bit? So here's my challenge. You ready? I need every eye right here. Just hear me out for a second. This week, I want you to share your story. Well, how do you want me to do that? I'm not going to knock on my neighbor's house and just say, let me tell you about all the crap in my life, please. No, I'm not asking you to do that. We live in a new age, all right? Here's what I am asking you to do. And Stephanie and I will lead by example. I want you to get on social media this week. Y'all get a little nervous. I want you to share your story on social media. And listen, I told you details matter in stories. Don't share any detail that you don't want to share. I'm not asking you to just air out your dirty laundry on Facebook. I'm not saying that. But be honest. Share something. And here's what I want you to do, okay? And I think this was God. Our Easter invites were supposed to be here on Friday, and they did not arrive. And that's really terrible, to be honest with you, because Easter's coming in two weeks. At the end of your video, here's what I want it to look like, all right? Hey, my name is Clint, and I just want to share my story with you. Go through your story. Hey, I'm a person, I've, you know, this last two years, I've really, really struggled with anxiety. I've had many panic attacks, anxiety attacks, and I've had to go to counseling. I've had to get some help. But you know what? I'm starting to find some freedom in this area of my life, and I know I'm not alone. So I want to invite you, or sorry, I know I'm not alone, and I believe Jesus wants to change your life too. And I want to invite you to join me at Easter at Oasis Church because I promise you they're going to have an encounter with Jesus on Easter. And it's easy. Invite them right there. Share your story. Share how God's changed you and say, God can change you too. Come join me. I'll save you a seat. You know what? And if you're serving and they can only come at the nine o'clock hour, you're supposed to be serving, I'll let you off the hook. All right, just communicate that with us, please. All right, so we'll get it covered. But I'm serious. What if some Christians got real for a second? 
and decided to go, I'm not ashamed of my past. I'm not ashamed of my story. I'm not going to be ashamed. In fact, I believe God wants to use those things that we're ashamed of sometimes to help other people come to know him. So, hey, hop on there. Share your story. Share a little bit of hope. Don't focus so much on the bad, but let's focus on what Jesus has done in you and tell them God can change you too. Come join me at Easter. You can meet God too. And I bet God wants to change your life. I promise you, I'm praying that 10 people come to know Jesus on Easter. I feel like that's a low number, uh, but that's the faith I had when I wrote the card in that moment, right? But man, what if this room was filled up with people that heard your story, that got here, that needs an encounter with Jesus, and they finally meet the only one that can change anything about their lives? How cool would that be? We can make a dent in those 93,000 people that don't go to church anywhere around here. And it's not going to come from an amazing preacher or an awesome worship team or the amazing lighting console that's connected to the sidewall over here, right? Like, it ain't coming from that. It's coming from you sharing your story. Man, that's how God designed this thing to be. And so share it. Don't be ashamed of it. Post it on social media. Write it out. Don't make it 15 minutes long and nobody watching that, right? Make it like a minute, minute and a half and share it and see what God does. I promise you, he's gonna use it in a powerful way. Y'all with me? Y'all wanna take that challenge with me? Come on, y'all gonna take the challenge with me? I need some people to take the challenge with me. Y'all gonna do it? Nope. I'm not confident, all right? right, Come on. (laughs) I got you, you gotta take it. Come on, we gotta do it together. All right, I got one. And Stephanie, I got two. I need need some people to do this because I'm telling you, it's gonna be powerful, all right? People need it. And if the thing about environment Easter feels too gimmicky, don't do it, I don't care. But, but share your story. God wants to use your story. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. I thank you that you love us and you are in the business of redeeming our stories. And if you're in here, uh, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a second. If you're in here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, that's where your story starts to change, right there. I don't care how awesome you are, how good of a therapist you have, you can't change the way that God wants you to change if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. So I want to invite you in this moment. If you've never made that decision, I want to give you a chance to make that decision right now. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you, hey, if you want to pray a prayer to receive Jesus, I just want to ask you to raise your hand, put it down real quick, all right? We'll We'll be fast. No one's looking around. So if that's you, on the count of three, if you're like, I want to start a relationship with Jesus, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise it, put it back down. Great. If you didn't want to raise your hand, or even if you did raise your hand, I want you to say this prayer in your heart and invite Jesus in and let him begin to change your story. Say, dear God, I receive you today. Thank you for paying the price for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. I invite you to my life. And in the best way I know how, I'll live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, give God a hand in this place. I think he's worthy of it. If you prayed that prayer, man, let us know on that connect card. And Brother Kevin will have a bucket in the back. You can drop it in there.